welcome to the Nifty Podcast presented by Party Fish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all over the world. Film starts here at Nifty 2022 in Seattle, Washington. Hello. <laughs> Uh, my name is Melina Krumas. I am a programmer and one of the festival coordinators this season. Um, I'm sitting here with Camille and Chloe. Um, could you two introduce yourselves and um, say what you did on the film? Hello, I'm Camille. I'm Chloe. We, I'm the writer director of Sticky Fingers, our short film. And I'm the cinematographer. And we're also twins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, okay, I had no idea. That's crazy, thank you for pointing that out. Wow. Um, that's so cute. <laughs> That's so charming. Um, well, yeah, um, I'll, I have to say um, this was one of the first films that I watched in my programming um, experience, and it was like one of the first ones that like really made an impact on me and stood out. Um, I think for me personally, I'm a little partial to things shot on film in particular, so that could have been why. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about shooting on film and that experience and the process of it as well as why you made that choice. Definitely. Yeah. Um, we really wanted to shoot on film because this is our first film that we've made together. Um, I went to film school, Camille went to regular uh, I went to regular college. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have experience making films, but Camille hasn't. And um, we both kind of wanted to try out uh, doing 16, and I did 16 in um, film school, um, but never really shot like a full thing on it, kind of just like played around. And yeah. So, it was definitely it yeah. was a big risk that we took, mm-hmm. um, but I felt really committed to doing the sixteen again for the same reason that you said. It just like it looks so good, mm-hmm. and you can always tell when it's shot on sixteen because it just looks it so pretty look. and mm-hmm. so like um, what's the word? I'm I'm touching my Warm, fingers for those listening like, at home. <laughs> like tactile, <laughs> like, tactile. Yeah. yeah, that's a good word. And yeah. our film Sticky Fingers is there's a lot of like a tactile element mm-hmm. to it. Um, so we, that definitely like contributed to it, but it was a huge adventure working with it on set because we were very low budget and 16 is not, uh, for the low of budget. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely a challenge, um, to figure out which takes we really needed, especially because if Camille wanted to do a take again, I was like, that's $50. We <laughs> <laughs> really have to like, $50, think about please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and we had made the decision to make the film before we had like gotten any grants or any money. So we were yeah. just like, we're going to finance the film and that's all we're going to pay for. Like, we're going to do everything really low budget. And then we uh, luckily got a grant. And then the grant basically just covered the, f- the film portion. <laughs> and um, we kind of have to do pay for everything else out of pocket. But it was really worth it, I think, in the end. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it looked beautiful. Um, I was also going to ask um, about the film camera that you used, as well as the film stock. Just, I mean, not sure if people want to hear about that, but I do. <laughs> yeah, we used uh, an Aton XTR, okay. um, which is a, kind of like a lightweight dock camera. Um, and then we just used one lens, which was an Ingenue 17 to like 130 or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was like a really long lens. Um, and we just stayed on that one lens, uh, just handheld, and the film stock that we used, we kind of swapped out between Kodak uh, 250D and a 50D. Nice. We were using short ends that we had gotten off of like Facebook Marketplace and from this um, film store in New York. What's it called? Mono Noaware. Mono Noaware. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we were really trying to figure out the cheapest way <laughs> to shoot on film. So it was there was different stocks going in because we were just using up what was cheapest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was but, important that it was like a, a mobile camera because 
so much of the film is on the street, moving around, following this character as she's, mm -hmm. like, you know, wandering. So, and it was entirely handheld. Yeah. We didn't have any sticks at all, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, from uh, a stock perspective, we didn't want to do, like, a tungsten stock because we, like, did not use any lights at all. It was just fully natural light, so we just wanted to stick with daylight. And um, I feel like that works, especially using the random uh, ends. If we just threw in a tungsten one, that would look really different. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I felt like all the shots looked, like, super cohesive, um, and it had that, like, nice, like, sunny lighting to it. I think it's probably the 50D, perhaps, outside, probably. Yeah, we did, um, Chloe did color it later, so uh, that well, helped. Still. <laughs> <laughs> still, it always helps, you know, to, like, start out with it set. Um, but yeah, um, one of the things that, that I also loved about the film was the character of Maul. You know, I felt like like they were so relatable, you know, and I feel like anyone who's like moved to a new city or like a big city like feels that way where it's like, oh, no one cares mm -hmm. about me or like what I'm doing and like no one's like, like, you know, super nice or like welcoming. Yeah. So like I was just wondering like, you know, where that inspiration for that character came from. I wrote the script originally when I was in my junior year of college, and I moved to New York from Minnesota for school. So I was, mm. I was very aware of like the difference that it was like living in Minnesota and then immediately moving to New York City and trying to find my place. And I always loved New York, but there definitely is a very stark difference in being on the street in New York versus in at least Minnesota, where just people just look right past you it's like as if you're not even you're in the most crowded city in the world and and you're completely anonymous people completely just look right past you which was something I always really liked about the city because you can kind of do whatever and people aren't paying attention to you or micromanaging what you're doing it's not like you've nosy neighbors watching what you're doing like you can do whatever you want um so I was exploring that in this character who finds that feeling of anonymity and isolation very troubling but then uses it to her advantage by, you know, starting to steal stuff because mm -hmm. nobody's watching her and she mm -hmm. can do whatever she wants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of saw it as like a, as an, a like desperate attempt to reclaim some like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> I do. It's, I mean, she's taking like artifacts. Control. Yeah, Trying to exactly. reclaim some control. Yeah. That, that's it. It <laughs> definitely is about control and she takes things, I think, from the scenes where she feels the most out of control as like an artifact of like, I really was here, even though people looked right past me, they didn't care that I was there. Yeah. Like I have this token that I was really there mm -hmm. and they don't know that this is gone <laughs> until the end when they do sort of right, of course it's it, gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, she's able to have a tangible like effect on her environment instead of just like being in the background, like right. invisible. Yeah. Um, I can definitely, relate to that um, <laughs> in terms of like you're moving to a big city and like yeah. not knowing anybody or just like not knowing like what to do with yourself. So uh, tell me uh, what the experience of working with your sister was like. Do you want to go first, Chloe? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Um, we're twins, so we kind of like think, think on the same wavelength and we kind of know what each other is um, thinking. And it was a very different like DP director relationship than I've had in the past mm -hmm. where I feel like sometimes... Um, with a director, you can't always tell what they want. Like, it's hard for them to really vocalize and articulate it. Whereas with her, I felt like we knew exactly what we were doing together. Um, and I feel like that was really special and hard to get with somebody else. Yeah, it was also great to be able to communicate so, like, openly with Chloe on set because I feel like 
we didn't have to go through a lot of like professional speak, if you will, even though obviously that's important, but like we could just get right to the point of what we were trying to say and we could speak in shorthand and we would both know exactly what we were talking about and we could get it right away. Um, and it's kind of funny because when we were on set, we shot with the, like the whole crew was just our friends. So sometimes Chloe and I would be in the corner like talking about something and maybe we would be disagreeing and they'd be like, oh God, Camille and Chloe are fighting again. <laughs> and then we would come out of it being like, perfect, we know exactly what we're doing, like absolutely no conflict at all. But it seems, I don't know, the way we communicate, we're like bickering all the time. <laughs> so our friends were like, are they fighting? Is this going to be an issue? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and especially shooting on um, film, we really had to make decisions fast. Yeah. And they had to be... Mm. Intentional. Intentional. And um, it, was, it was a good working relationship that we could just be honest with each other without being nervous about fighting. <laughs> yeah, or like offending each other's yeah. egos or whatever. Um, and thankfully, we like... Obviously, throughout just life of like playing or whatever and then going through our like creative careers or creative upbringings, I guess, like as we started creating together, we have a lot of practice in like communicating our what we want to make and how we want it to look, even though we hadn't done like an actual film together before. We did like plays in high school. Um, I was going to ask if you could talk a little bit about the uh, crowdfunding process, just because I feel like a lot of first time filmmakers in general, like don't even know where to start. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe they could use some help and a direction on that. Yeah. I don't know how much crowdfunding was really hard. <laughs> I mean, we got really lucky in that we had some good friends and some friends of friends. My dad is like very, uh, willing to send these emails out more willing than I am like asking for money from his friends basically mm -hmm. so my dad did a lot of the crowdfunding so tip one is get a dad who will do that for you <laughs> um but we we were honestly so lucky that we the crowdfunding was kind of supplemental to us we funded most of the film through this grant that we got through wavelength productions mm -hmm. um which is an amazing grant that you should apply to at home young filmmakers <laughs> um for young uh, female identifying mm -hmm. women, or not necessarily women, but yeah. Uh, yeah. female identifying, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, people of color making their first films. Awesome. Um, and that definitely helped a lot. So that put, took a lot of the pressure off of the crowdfunding, and we just, yeah. Although we did do that, but it, we 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 weren't that intense about it. We didn't really raise that much money. <laughs> it still scares me to this day. <laughs> I really hate asking people for money, and I. For our next film, I'm like very much nervous about thinking about how we're gonna raise the money for that because yeah. I it's we just hard. were asking people for money for this and then we have to go back and ask for it again. So I definitely want to brainstorm like new ways of fundraising that does not involve just like asking your friends right, for money. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, for our finishing costs, we made tote bags and like hand dyed them and hand screen printed them mm. and. Um, just sold them as like a sliding scale to our friends but we've kind of basically just broke even at this point I mean I we've made a, we've made some money off of it now yeah. and we've got plenty more to sell um <laughs> but that's been a fun way to raise money that's not just like asking people for money is we have these great tote bags my roommate and friend Trinity is a printmaker so she was able to screen print them for us and I hand dyed them all um we hand dyed okay. like 50 bags all at home so that's <laughs> been really fun and it'll be fun to see them out in the world, the bags, as people yeah, are wearing yeah. them and buying them and stuff. Lovely. Well, I would love to buy one. <laughs> you can have one. I brought some. <laughs> oh, <perfect. laughs> yes. I mean, I seriously would love to buy one. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, wait, so this is your first short? This is my first short okay. ever. Um, 
I studied like creative writing in school, so I was focusing on like writing stories and stuff, and I didn't get to do a lot of film production, even though I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, and Chloe went to film school, so Chloe worked on a lot of different film projects oh, yeah. at school. But this is my first short that I'm proud of, that I, that I would like to say is my first short. <laughs> right, right, right. Film school shorts don't really count. Well, it's a successful short, so yeah, I mean, great work, you know. Congratulations. Thank you. That's hard to do on your first attempt, you know, especially. Um, but yeah, um, so any, um, I was going to ask, like, you know, if you have any advice for, for young filmmakers who might not even have shot their first film yet, like, you know, what to keep in mind or like any tips you have in general? Well, I think our main piece of advice that we both agree on, so I'll speak for both of us, is like the number one thing you should do is like, don't wait for the right time. You should just do it. Mm -hmm. um, it's never going to be the right time. Like, you're never going to have the perfect scenario with all the free time and all the money in the world where it's going to be like the perfect film you just have to create that space and like for us we shot during very much deep covid when we were filming this is pre-vaccines and we were just like what oh, we gotta just do it now like we just have to make the space to do it now and we were already in pre-pro by the time we had gotten the grant so we were going full speed ahead um ready to go and we got really lucky obviously with the grant but that is what i would say like don't wait for the perfect opportunity you have to create that opportunity mm -hmm. for yourself um yeah i was wondering if you could just tell me a little bit about the film in general um like you know what the um the the concept is and just you know a little about it chloe and i were just talking about this on the way here mm -hmm. we were like how do we quickly describe the concept of the <laughs> film and the concept of the film is there is a girl who starts stealing stuff that is ultimately it. And then there's all this other stuff that goes on <laughs> within it and, you know, reasons that she does it, but that is the concept. Awesome. Um, is there any new projects in the works that you have coming up that you want to talk about or not we, yet? We are working on some new concepts. We want to do like a, we have some ideas. We are, <laughs> I'm working on a script. We'll get it done. We'll hopefully start filming something within the next year and we'll be back. Hopefully back on the festival circuit. Yes. <laughs> not, in, not on film, though. No, we're done with film for now. <laughs> it was too much. I know. <laughs> I need I a break. <laughs> um, I was wondering if you could uh, tell me a little about the score and what that process was like and who you work with. Yeah. we So, as we said, our initial working, the production of the film was, like, really low budget. We spent all of it on the film, so every other aspect of it was really low so when we were heading into pre-pro we were like we def or sorry post-production we were like we definitely need the post-production to tighten things up a little bit and make this feel a little more profesh um and we found this amazing sound mixer and score composer um in gen star hacker who did the sound and the score it was such a seamless process because she just took it from the audio end and did everything and um was able to create such an amazing soundscape and, you know, as we, because we filmed so much on the street, there was just, on the rooftop party scene, as, I've, as you remember, that was like the windiest day ever. <laughs> like our props were flying everywhere. Like there was stuff on the table and we had literally had to tape everything down <laughs> because like everything was flying. Mm -hmm. So the sound on that day was like unusable. Like it was so, so windy. Our poor sound guy, Kellen was like, we made our sound mixers so mad because we were just like, we have to shoot it. If there's bad sound, if it's like 
a completely you can't hear anything let us know but if it's if it's just like a car honking that we have to deal with it yeah. <laughs> and he was he was so good he like went with the flow with it yeah but that day specifically it was just like so yeah. difficult yeah also because we were shooting on film we can't stop mid-take like you just have to keep going but mm-hmm. Callan teed Genstar up for a great sound mixing experience because he got wild lines of everything in that day we just had the actors repeat everything into the microphone again so got she it. had a lot of flexibility there and then Genstar took it and just like really made some amazing sounds that we did not have when we were filming and views of beautiful music that I think really accentuates um, like the first person narration of the film even though you don't hear Mal narrating the music is functions as her narration you can he- feel her tension and feel when she starts to get agitated when the music starts up and it it puts you inside her head and helps you feel how she's feeling if even though you're just looking at her feeling it, you can't actually hear her thoughts the music did such an amazing job I think of like putting her in there and we can only thank Jen Starr for that she really nailed it Oh, yes, thank you, Jen Star. Um, <laughs> I would never. I mean, that shot. I mean, that scene on the rooftop. I would never have known that it was like oh my super gosh. windy or anything. In the first so. cut of it, pre-sound mix, it just was it unwatchable. Even hear it. <laughs> yeah, all of the presents flying everywhere and stuff. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah literally. <laughs> we also had like a ladder as a prop. We had a ladder with oh. like um. Uh, what's it called? It was like ribbon. Ribbon on it to like make it look like a party. Mm-hmm. And the ladder started falling. <laughs> so it, and we're on the roof of like a Brooklyn building. Oh gosh. And the ladder's falling on the cast <laughs> because it was so windy. Yeah. Scary. It but was scary. I do like how it turned out now because like her hair is blowing. Like when she's getting mad and like mm-hmm. watching them singing happy birthday and her hair is like blowing in the wind. And I feel like it adds to the tension in a way that we didn't mean. It's, yeah. <laughs> it kind of worked out. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely made that day more tense for everybody on set, which I think translates well into the shot because we were freezing cold. <laughs> oh, up in the on yeah. the roof. That was memorable, at least, right? Yeah, it was. That was, and that was our very last day of shooting too. It yeah. was like we were about to wrap. We just wanted to get it over with, and we were getting completely destroyed by the wind. Yeah. And then oh. we had to run to get that last golden hour shot of her running with the cake, and we yeah. had to get it at golden hour, and it was. Um, like spring like it just turned daylight saving so like we had like 20 minutes it was the first the day of daylight yeah and um our ad was just like on top of us she she i was glad that she was there yeah we were like we could have kept going up on the roof and our ad was like you need to go downstairs now like it, you have to it's film time. this shot yeah. now yeah and without her we wouldn't have gotten that that beautiful light while she's like you know, stuffing cake in her face. Yeah. <laughs> that was a beautiful shot. It was so freeing for Maul finally to be like, okay, I, I get, like, you know, this is what I'm doing, whatever, but I have cake right now in yeah. this moment. She <laughs> has work cake. Out. Yeah. It's true. That and was like, a really fun moment. And um, I thought it worked out really well in the shot when she's running to the corner where she ultimately plops and starts eating. <laughs> because in, as you see, she like runs past this restaurant and these patrons go like this, which are real patrons. We were just filming on the street. Mm-hmm. And then later we went back to that restaurant and the same people were there. We were like, can we just like get a close up of you guys like turning your head while she runs past? Mm-hmm. And they were like very game. And we got that amazing shot where you can see in the wide their heads turning and then we got that great close up where he like starts talking to his wife and he's like what is happening over there um, <laughs> that's perfect it was so perfect it was really fun yeah I'm really glad that worked out aww 
Well, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I'm very excited to see what you two create next. Um, where can folks follow you and what you're working on and your um, your new projects? And Sticky Fingers, of course. Um, you, we don't have social for Sticky, but you can follow me at camille.y.r on Instagram. And you can follow me on Instagram at Chloe T. Ramos. Put our middle initials in there because our, our initials are the same. It's just CR. Oh. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> stressed in the middle. Oh my gosh, so cute. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you so much for taking you know, some time out of the busy festival weekend to um, do this interview with us. We are so happy to have Sticky Fingers in the, um, in the uh, screenings this year. Um, it's a beautiful film. We're so happy to be here. Thank you for talking to us and for programming our film, truly. <laughs> of course, my pleasure. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. For more information on Nifty 2022 or upcoming events, the talented youth and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at NFFTY on Instagram and TikTok at Nifty Film. For more podcasts from Partyfish Media, search Partyfish Media wherever you listen to podcasts or check out our website at partyfish.media. Partyfish Media. Partyfish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.